ladies and gentlemen, Brock and Kylie Hames. Glory to God. Test, test. Yo, yo, yo. Just need my Micro check. Microphone checker. All right, it's on. I had to get my chapstick. Jared knows what I'm talking about. Can you guys can you guys hear me okay? Does the does the mic need to go up any? I'm kind of a quiet talker. So can you hear her your, okay? Yeah, this is this is my inside voice. Okay. It's kinda low. Maybe put it closer. I'll try. Yeah, I saw the chin the chin yeah. trick. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I was telling Kylie the other day, I was like, I don't know why people like us so much. We need to be more offend more offensive to people because <laughs> you're if you're speaking the truth, you know. The carnal mind should be upset with you. But uh, I think the name of our thing here is uh, The Two Shall Be Made One Flesh. And I guess this is uh, essentially us explaining that process. Yeah, and I think for us too, um, like we are using marriage as a tool, I guess you could say, or a metaphor, really to just explain the carnal mind. So there's a ton of people here who have been married or not married, may never be married, um, but we all encounter relationships every day. So this is just our example of, you know, being around somebody, you know, you can spend 40 hours a week with coworkers, right? And they can get under your skin. It's very similar to marriage. And so just want to put that out there as a disclaimer. Um, if you're marriaging with the carnal mind, if you are in your marriage with the carnal mind, you're gonna be a, you're gonna be having a bad time, right? Yeah, and it really takes time. You know, I mean, um, God's truth is the only truth, right? We know that everything else is a lie, and so it's just kind of like by default. If we're not fellowshipping in that, we're not sharing in that. It's not like a condemnation thing where we need to feel bad about it. But I think it is a thing where maybe we need to be open um, with each other. You know, there's been plenty of times where me and Brock have felt like we're not able to talk to each other because there is offense in our hearts. Um, and then there's been other times where we can be really bold to each other because um, because we love our brother and because we allow kind of that inroad to minister to where, you know, it basically goes from, you know, maybe trying to correct somebody's behavior um, because you because of selfish reasons, because you want your life to flow better and you're not doing this right. And look at this burden that you keep upon me and and things can come from that perspective. Your spouse is the easiest person to blame for why you're upset. Yep. Right. Scapegoat. And I also apologize in advance. You know, we're pretty much going to be uh, airing out our dirty laundry here. Mm hmm. Uh, Hi, but mom. I apologize because it's actually going to be y'all's dirty laundry too, because, uh, you know, we're just bold enough to come over here and put it on display, but that's the cross, right? God was putting our dirty laundry mm -hmm. on display and it was mm -hmm. him, but he was showing us ourselves. So, uh, you know, if, uh, we throw a stone, uh, you know, metaphorically and it hits you, you know, sorry, but if the shoe fits right, but it's okay. We don't have to despise ourselves for finding, for finding, uh, hate towards our spouse. We don't have to because it's just a, it's a thing that gets twisted in our hearts, right? Yeah, exactly. And like, we don't know your business, right? So it's like, um, there's no struggle that is not common to everybody. Um, we've been married for three and a half years now, and it's just hilarious. Like how many, you know, because you're at a party, the girls are over here, the guys are over here. It's not on accident, you know? People are maybe needing to vent a little bit or fought on the way and are trying to be cool in front of everybody. But 
um, we really do find that like everybody experiences this in a different way. And I think it really all just stems from the fall. I mean, we, we saw that man was going to labor and toil and really be concerned with the works of his hands. And woman was going to be really concerned, you know, with man and, and her works, you know, toward the family. And that's kind of how people get their value. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that that's kind of why we all share a similar burden. And notice Adam and Eve's relationship and dynamic like before and after the fall, right? Uh, before the fall, Adam's looking at woman and he's like, man, she is everything that I need. She is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He saw a beauty in her just as God saw the beauty in us and wanted to join himself with us. I mean, Adam was so, I mean, Paul writes it plainly that Adam was not deceived, right? Now, Paul also talks about Adam orchestrating the fall in the sense of, uh, I think he was the man that dominion was giving to. So like Romans 5, where he's talking about Adam, uh, come over to like 2 Timothy, where he talks about how Adam was not deceived. So I believe uh, Eve was deceived, and Adam knew what was going on, and he knew that if he, if he ate from that tree, he would die. But he was so consumed with the vision of his wife that he was willing to go to the cross, right, quote-unquote. Now, obviously, this was Adam trying to save his wife by the strength of his own hands, but I can still see the image of God and design of Adam to where he's, he's willing to, I mean, is that not God? Is that not Christ, right? Is that not Christ plummage, plummeting into our death because of the value he sees with us, but after the fall, what's the relationship between Adam and Eve? The same thing we're all saying, it's that woman you gave me, right? When I'm over here in my life struggling with porn addiction in the middle of marriage, um, the, the, the weight of, um, how would I say it, like, I, I've said this a few times already, but when you become a father and a husband, I think the, obviously the weight of whatever falls on you is if you're functioning with God, it's going to fall on God. But I think practically speaking, a lot of the weight falls on the husband to be the rock of the family. Now our culture would come along and say, no, that's the that's just the, the, the man trying to control the woman. It's like, no, it's a spiritual dynamic. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the the uh, elder at the at the Methodist church that's upset that his wife doesn't cook three meals a day and she needs to submit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a relationship where. I am covering Kylie, right? And the reason why I can, I used this the other night in the Bible study, right? Got to keep my squad hydrated. The way that I keep my squad hydrated is I stay hydrated between me and God. And he hydrates me, right? And that gives me the ability. I don't, I don't know if it's just because of the problems that we went through, um, which are super common uh, between married couples. I don't think we're, I think we're just extreme people. So it could maybe come out in extreme ways, and uh, you kind of get to the conclusion faster of, uh, man, if this chick wasn't in my life, my life would be better right now, right? And, and even with your children, it's not that you ever desire for the children to leave. I mean, I wouldn't give Asher up for nothing, right? But the carnal mind, the carnal mind's favorite trick is the grass is greener, right? Yeah, 100%. And so it is funny, you know, because 
um, we talk about this. So we um, we got married quick, and then we had a baby, like, really quick also. We were actually talking about, we're like, hey, let's wait a couple years. It'll be great. I found out four days later I was pregnant and cried, okay? We love Asher. It's great. But so we went from basically what is a dating relationship, which could almost kind of be, right, like, man, like Adam and Eve in the garden. It can be, like, man seeing his bride for the first time, and, you know, you're putting your best self out there, and you're, you know, you're fishing in a sense. So you're like casting the bait, you're reeling in, you're kind of, you're doing this thing, you know, and then all of a sudden you get married, you have a kid and you go from probably the ultimate climax of cutesy or however you want to say in a relationship to probably like the hardest thing that we'll ever go through. And even if you're not um, like going directly from dating to having a child, even from dating to marriage, I think a lot of people, I think, isn't it like 50% of divorces happen within like the first three years? And I think that that's because a lot of people look around and they're like, what happened to that person that I was married with? You know, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. X, Y, Z. If even just this one thing, right, was gone, then I'd be happy. If I can find someone who doesn't have this thing, then I'll have a good life. And it is that grass is greener mentality. And it keeps, it just, it keeps, you know, perpetuating itself. And there's no rest in that. So. It's a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. It's a hamster wheel. It's, um. I like that you said you're putting your best foot forward. Those of you, most of you, have, looks like are married and have been married longer than us. So, you know, uh, feel kind of awkward, you know, trying to give people a marriage. I advice don't feel awkward. Yeah, that's right. I'm preaching what God would say. So whatever. Uh, just humble yourselves. Uh, <laughs> it's not me. It's all. Um, you know, you are. I, I laugh at people who date. I mean, isn't it laughable? It's like, you don't know anything about that person. And the truth is, if we're all being honest, you probably wouldn't end up marrying that person if you would have known A, B, and C, right? Because then you're, because then three years have passed and you're in the thick of it and you're like, this is what this person is really like. And for us, it was even more different because we went, we're coming out, we met in a religious system where we already weren't being ourselves. We weren't talking the way we talk. We weren't thinking the way we think. Um, we were blinded by the death that was put in front of us and then people told us it was God. And I don't blame those people, but that's not right, right? Those doctrines, uh, the, the word of faith doctrines, they did not produce love for my wife, right? You know what it produced in me to do when we lived in Tulsa and Kylie was going through a hard time? You know what it led me to be like? Well, you just need to have more faith. I mean, if you want to uh, cut yourself off from your wife, that is the quickest way to do it, right? Right? And how many times did you feel alienated because I looked at you from a standpoint of you need to have more faith. You need to come up where I am, you know, and uh, I just thought the power to helping her was if I could be as gentle as I could and uh, which didn't even work, obviously. Um, but that didn't produce. Here's the thing. Let's flip the script. If that's how you view God, you're not going to be vibing with God. If you view God like how I was being to Kylie, you know, just have more faith. What are you doing? I mean, it's equi it's equivalent. We talked about this last night. What a sinner really is. A sinner is someone who does not possess eternal life. They are not one with the Godhead through Jesus Christ, right? Through the Word made flesh. And uh, if you think that's how God approaches sinners, well, first off, we think sinners bad behavior. We think is bad people who do bad things. But I, I think I said that, and a more accurate picture of a sinner would be like uh, a, a a ten year old girl laying on a deathbed from cancer. That is what a sinner looks like, someone who is dying, 
And how ridiculous would it be for me to walk up to somebody in that state and to say, you just need to believe God. I mean, that's just silly. And I don't treat Asher that way. I provide Asher for what he needs, right? Just as, I, as God through me tries to now provide the faith that Kylie needs. I mean, it was just yesterday. Um, I think, yeah, you were upset, right? And, and, and we were in the car and she was going on. And uh, luckily, uh, I wouldn't maybe suggest uh, talking to your wife this boldly uh, if you guys do not uh, talk like this already because uh, you might hurt some. Oh, but maybe some feelings need to be hurt. I'm a huge fan of that, right? Uh, not of hurting feelings intentionally. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to hurt feelings. But, I mean, the truth, the truth is just exposing. Like when you hear the truth and then you're, you either go with it or you don't, the truth is going to be the discerner, and it's going to show you where you're at, right? And the reason why me and Kylie's marriage has been able to change, I want to use the word so successfully, if you want to say it like that, is because we're no longer trying to reason within ourselves and then come together. We both see the reasoning of God, and it's like they used to show this in lots of different uh, church circles, but it is really true. They would show a triangle, right? And they would say, you and your wife at the bottom, and then God's at the top, right? And if you guys are seeking after God, you're going to meet at God, right? And I would say that's a perfect illustration of um, why I'm able to talk to Kylie how I do. Not in a mean way, but yesterday as she was beginning to go off, I said, I said, you just need to stop because you're just looking at this one instance and you're making a judgment about your life. And then she was worried about things at the home in Wisconsin. And it's like you're just taking this one thing and we're applying this word about your life. And she simply said, yeah, you know what? You're right. You see how easy that is, right? That'd be a huge fight. That'd be a huge fight between most couples. And reason, because the guy probably would say it with malice, and the girl probably wouldn't take it good anyways, right? But the truth is the only, God's the only thing. I mean, we got to the point in our marriage where I was like, I don't even know how you stay married without God. I mean, it's like impressive. It is. I was just thinking when you said that thing about, you know, about the triangle, like God's up here and man and woman. It really is kind of like the more that you're seeking God. Okay, so like the more that you're seeking each other, you kind of leave this out, right? You're kind of just stuck in this very like ground level, monotonous kind of cycle. But it is as you're as you're just really gazing upon the cross, gazing upon God, you're naturally moving closer together. You're not trying to get close anymore. It's almost like the harder that you try, it's like the works of the flesh, right? It's like the harder that you're like, I'm just gonna, I've done it so many times. Like, you know, men don't really like to clean. Maybe, well, maybe that's not universal. My man doesn't really like I to clean. I don't like to clean. Um, and, you know, I would try so hard. You know, at first it was, I'll just be a good wife and I'll just clean the house and I'll do it with a good heart. And then all of a sudden, two months later, you know his his socks are on the floor and you're murdering him in your heart you know that was me trying to uh be a good wife you know and then like the and then uh you move on and you're like well clearly this isn't working but if I can make him clean and we can share the burden then I'll be relieved you know but then that just causes more malice because then you're putting a standard on somebody um that they're never going to be able to accomplish um you know it's funny because Brock and I um, God has like really opened my heart lately. So a lot of these things are really just starting to kind of be birthed in me, but he showed me, you know, like the podcast, the music stuff, like all the stuff that Brock does. 
I would have no idea. You could sit me in front of that computer, give me as much time as I needed, and I promise I won't figure it out. Like, that's just true, you know? And so Brock will be in his music room doing his thing, and I I realized, like, I was angry because it's like, okay, well, I guess that just leaves me to sit here then, and I'm going to just put away the dishes every day and blah, blah, blah. And the Lord just spoke to my heart, and he said, did it ever occur to you that you guys are just operating in your giftings? And I was like, wow, you know, like, I love to organize. Like, that is a relaxing Sunday afternoon for me. If I've had a long week. I'm like, let's get to this pantry. Let's make it look good. And it's fun. But because I started viewing Brock as not coming beside me and not doing this thing exactly as I thought he ought to do, it caused this thing that would actually be a really positive thing in my heart um, to be something that I wasn't involved in. And it caused you to not be able to participate in what your gifting was, you know? And it was just crazy how like when we're just trying to put this, you know, you put burdens on the other person because you feel like they're putting a burden on you. I think that that's really what happens. Um, I don't know, you go, I feel like you're going to say something. I want to add, um, to the flip side to that, uh, this is what I tell people when they're going to get married. I say, this is what marriage is like. You have a version of what you think life is like, right? You got this thing going on over here. This person also has a version of what they think is what it's like over here. And then I tell people, the reality is you're both wrong and you need to meet in the middle, Right. So to counteract Kylie's point, um, what was going on in my heart was um, that while she's busy being filled with r- wrath and rage against me, I'm over here dying, feeling guilty, feeling like that, uh, feeling like I'm not doing enough for my wife, for my house, for my I'm a poor example for my son, right? And then you get so clouded. And then what what's what's my response then with the flesh? Well, then I'm just going to start cleaning. How many times have I done that? And it would be good for, what, a week or two? You wish. <laughs> you week. wish it was a that week. long. A week. Okay. Okay. We're playing Abraham rules. All right. Close to, closer. Round up. Okay. Uh, you know, it would be good for a week. And then the first day that I didn't do something, where were we? Right back to square one. And she's upset. And I'm over, But now it's even worse because I'm over here feeling like, look how much I did in a week. You know, I'm pouring myself out for you. So the guy is constantly feeling like they are working their butt off to try to love this person. And this person is always feeling like what? Um, like I'm being neglected, you know, I think women naturally feel most burdened and I don't know if this just comes from like a Psalm 31 teaching or what, where you just feel like you have to like cook, clean, like work, keep it all together Proverbs for everybody. 31. Yeah. But you do, you, you feel like someone's heaping a burden upon yourself and then you think, well, Galatians 6, 2 says, if you fill the law of Christ, then you'll come with me in my burden. Um, but you don't realize kind of that you're doing the same thing. You know, it's like, it's the beam in your eye. You're so concerned with that beam that you can't just see the sliver. Like you're not bearing up their burden either. You're just so offended that you don't care. Justice is that they would be under their burden, right? Because your, your, your heart is that they, I mean, it's murder, right? I mean, that's really what it is. Bitterness, envy, all those things. Hating your brother, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, what isn't that what Cain that? did? Exactly. Is that not the way of Cain? But most of us wouldn't be able to admit that we're looking at our partner like they're able, right? Mm, and we so want to slow, we want to slay them, right? Yeah, no, it's so true because I would, um, the Lord showed me this recently that what was in my heart was envy because I would look, I'd be like, I feed him, like I I do all the practical things. Brock's awesome with taking care of Asher, so that's never been a thing. I've never had to try to trick him into changing a diaper, thankfully, because I know that that's a thing. 
But I would look at him and I would just, I would envy him in my heart because I would see I'm working, I'm doing all these things, I'm laboring for a clean house is really a big thing for me and I never get to enjoy it. But here I am working and all of my labor is causing you to have a good life and I was envious of what you had. I thought, it's almost like um, that story where there's the laborers who start at different points of the day. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm yes. the last dude. Yeah. She's the first guy. Yeah. And then those two people get married. Yes, yes. Yes, exactly. And I would just be so upset at him. Like, how dare he? I'm the one laboring all day and now he gets the benefit. And I'm really good at not caring. So obviously I'm just trying to ignore all this, which isn't helping anything. No, no I don't know. You go. That's all I had to say. The truth is when you elevate your spouse to that spot in your heart, you've made them God. They're your God. And what do you do to your God? You string them up. Uh, you nail them to a cross. Right? That's what we did with God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do with each other. So we do with our spouses. We make them God in our heart. We nail them to the cross. And we expect them to serve us with life. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But it, when you do that, I mean, it's only going to cause division. And I will add that part of the reason why I can speak for myself, I had such a distorted image of marriage is because in the past at these churches, the things that I was taught about God and the things that I thought, the the way that I thought God was, Mm -hmm. well, you can't act outside of your image of God, right? Even the people who claim not to believe in God, they have an image of God, right? And even if they think God is like that religious church, they're not even rejecting God. They're just rejecting the horrible image of God that they've created in their heart or they've let other people create in their heart, right? Uh, I was just going to say one thing before I forget, and I said this to somebody, so sorry if it's a repeat here, but um, when, when I was sorry just, too much. When I was just so concerned, that's another thing he can say to me now that used to really offend me, but he's right. Um, but when, you know, when I was really trying to get Brock to, like, clean the house, do these things that I thought were so great, um, when you would, you know, do it for a week, three days, whatever it was, you know. Um, like Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you would do those things, um, I almost, like, just picture it as, like, we want fruit on this tree, right? Like, we desire good fruit. And so we think that we can bring these things forth. And maybe, like, the cleaning of the house or not cleaning of the house is, like, rotten fruit. So we're, like, effectively, like, trimming this rotten fruit off. Like, that's what we're doing. We're, like, okay, he's he cooked there. That's great. Okay, he cleaned. That fruit's gone. And then the tree looks like it's void of bad fruit for a little while. And that's why these marriage seminars or, you know, counseling sessions or all these things um, can appear like they're doing something but the root is actually never attacked. It's like we're so concerned with this behavior modification and we let go of it in religion, but we hold on to it so hard in our relationship because we think that it'll serve us right. But if you're not allowing God, you know, in that triangle, if you're not including God, that root's going to stay there. And the longer a tree is there, the deeper that root goes, okay? Um, so, yeah, I just I just saw that so many times where it's like, man, I thought this tree had been taken care of, but here's that rotten fruit again. And it just took me so long to realize it's because we weren't dealing with any heart issues. We just wanted what the microwave thing. We just wanted what we wanted when we wanted it. Make my life easy. That's what you're here to do. You're here to serve me. Um, and that's just not the reality of it. I think I said this comment uh, at the Bible study. Girls 
typically get upset about the things that are happening on the outside, right? Like kind of the disarray that's going on. And uh, that's like what annoys them, what presses in on them. And the only thing that presses in on guys is their wives worrying about <laughs> all of that stuff, right? That was always my plight. It was like she was always worried, and I was over here just like complaining to God, oh, my gosh, has she not figured this thing out yet? How does she not know that this is a world full of corruption? You know, and uh, but it, it got, thank God he doesn't think that way. And thank God he didn't think that way when he found me in my death, right? And, and I, you know, I was in ministry for years, and, and, and God never once came with some sort of attitude. He just gently but firmly led me along, right, to the way of the cross. And uh, that, that's what it really is. You, you have your version of life. They have their version of life. Uh, this ties back into the message. This is the cross dynamic. You're, when you become one flesh, you are dying to what you thought life was like, right? Um, and it's, it works both ways. There's a lot that you both are bringing to the table, right? Good and bad. Uh, so I don't want to just also, I also want to mention the positive aspects of it. You know, now I drink lots of water <laughs> and, uh, uh, I drink lots of water now. You know, I have Birkenstock sandals now. Um, I'll wear sweats in public. I'd never do any, you know, I, I wasn't into these things before I met Kylie. But now, the thing that really uh, caught me off guard is in the midst of all this uh, fighting it with each other, we're both probably just cussing out God in our heads a lot, talking it over with the Father. Um, and it was difficult because there was a point where I knew this word and Kylie didn't know this word. And that, I think, was the hardest rub ever. I mean, you know, try telling your, it's like, I think, I think Matt said it, uh, try describing chocolate to someone who's never tried chocolate, right? You can't do it. So I'm sitting over here just getting into the message and I'm trying to, you know, she's freaking out about the dirty house and all these things. And, uh, I wasn't the best with working my job and saving money and blah, blah, blah. She's worried about all this. And meanwhile, I'm over here like, it's going to be okay, babe. You know, kind of doing the same thing I did in the faith movement because I was still taking the true knowledge of God and like, putting it into my carnal mind, seeing, you know, how I can work it, how, how it's going to fix everything. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the problem really is, is that that should have been like water or like honey in my wounds, you know what I mean? But because I had kept such a record of wrongs from what had happened throughout our marriage, I couldn't, I couldn't hear, you know, like the Pharisees, they were offended at Jesus and that's why they were blind. And that's really what it is. You know, it was like, oh, it's fine. It'll work out. And um, that was kind of the same mantra when, you know, Brock was working part time and spending all of my full time money. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it'll be OK. But for who, though, who is it going to be OK for? Because I'm over here working, feeling like a Martha and you just get to be a Mary all the time, you know. And I also want to point out, uh, let's get practical here. So I wasn't doing the things that I feel a husband should do in a household. It's not a law. I'm not coming here telling you, you need to do this. The truth is you can't do it, all right? None of you can do it. Mm -hmm. And and the, the, the thing that was happening within me is I recognized at some point that if things were going to change, I knew that God was going to have to first make a change in my life, and then I knew it would affect Kylie. And I recognized that dynamic. I, I feel the same way about Asher. I was talking, I think, to Billy, and we were talking about um, – 
eating healthy and stuff. And I said, I don't have enough self-decency to eat healthy for myself, but I can eat healthy for Asher. And, you know, Asher's a boy who drinks lots of water, and he likes fruit, and he eats good. And uh, I recognize if Asher sees me just chowing down cheeseburgers from McDonald's all day, every day, I mean, what do I expect to happen? Now, on the same note, I'm not Asher's God, though. And ultimately, Asher's, no matter where Asher's life goes, God is his God. And even if Asher became a drug addict on the street, you know, I don't have to take it upon myself to feel guilty that I didn't do something right with my son. I want to put that out there. Um, as soon as Asher was born, I said, God, into your hands, I commit his life, right? Um, that doesn't mean that I'm just sitting on the couch eating potato chips, doing nothing. And this isn't a get busy. This was a, this was a, the marriage to me, our marriage is such a proof, undeniable proof of the power of this gospel. Because Kylie can firsthand attest, I was willing to, you know, you're just really struggling with this idea of, man, if I was single, I could just have all my instruments out everywhere. And I could, when I want to make music, I want to make music. And, you know, you have this version of life. You're busy just trying to figure that out. But I got to the point where I realized, well, if something's going to change here, man, God's got to change it in me. And so the practical side of all this, the answer was not for me to keep a clean house. Correct? That was not the answer. But do you know what ends up happening? Mm -hmm. God births within me a new desire mm -hmm. to keep the house clean. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, uh, buh, buh, like I said, jobs were always a struggle with me because I'm a, I'm a creative type. So, you know, that's like nine to five. You know, that's the worst case scenario. I want to be free to do the things that I want to create. And, uh, but once God changed that in me, I mean, you can attest, right? The change was like, you go from working 20 hours a week to 40 hours a week, right? And like I said, the answer was not for me to just, because I tried that many times to white knuckle it. Oh, well, if she, <laughs> and you want to know why I was trying to work more? Because I wanted to stop hearing her complaining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Not fruit. Yeah. And, and, and so that was also a thing that would frustrate her. She'd be like, why can't you just do this? And I would just be like, well, I'm just doing it to make you happy and to, and for you, to, you know, because I'm hating you. So what's the point of me doing it? You know, uh, that's what you get for living with a theologian, I guess. And, <laughs> you know, the, you're, you're analyzing. Well, why would I even do it? Because the fruit isn't from God. So, you know, and then you get your wires all tangled and crossed. And uh, but go ahead. I was just going to say when you were talking about kind of like um, how I wanted to clean house and how it just naturally springs forth. This was such a testimony to me because um, I would say maybe a month and a half ago, maybe um, there. I think there's been like three major por points in our marriage where it's been like we're either getting divorced right now. Nut up or shut up. Yep. Nut up or shut up for real. Like um, we're either getting off the cross or we're getting really comfortable, you know, is kind of the thing. But um, like a month and a half ago is maybe like the third time where it was like, okay, <laughs> just kind of like at the end of our ropes um, with everything. And um, I think, and we can talk about it more too, but um, I think what really made a big difference is this was maybe the first time that I actually, instead of just like talking to God about it, like also wanted to hear what he had to say, you know, I was like talking to God about it for days and days. And I was like, I would be like, God, like, tell me what you think. But then I would just, you know, 
say all of these things, which is fine. He loves to hear us vent. But I remember like three days after I was just like, God, show me what you think. But I would just never stop talking. Um, then he was like, do you want to hear what I have to say? And I was like, yeah, I do. You know, after just three days of the carnal mind, just having its way and just, you know, making it, it's making me its play thing. Um, but so that really transformed from that point. It was like, wow, things are really getting better now. And um, all of that to say, um, I was just sitting at home. Um, Brock and Asher kind of like switched rooms because when Asher was little, we wanted him in the downstairs bedroom. Brock was in this very tiny music room, bless him. It was like, it was- I had a good time. Yeah, you did. But so we, we needed to make the switch and it was probably like maybe six months ago. I mean, it's been a long time. So this music room for someone who's creative has been in complete disarray. Um, you know, kind of stopping the process. Tried several times myself to organize it, you know. So many times. Would look way worse. Like, no offense, <laughs> but, like, it would be like, um, why'd you move all that stuff that I organized over here? It looks so good, you know. It works in my hands. <laughs> um, but Brock was at um, Brock was at work, and it was just a few days after. It was at like, night. At night. I got home at 1 o'clock in the morning because yeah, I work at night. We so keeping context shift. here. Yeah, and it was like it was a night where I was like, I maybe kind of had a hard day, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like make some hot tea. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to relax when Asher goes to sleep. And I just kind of like when I put Asher down, I like to walk past this music room, and I saw it in disarray. And it's funny because up to that point, it made me angry. I was like, get your room together, man. Like seriously, it's been six months. Like, do I have to do everything? You know. But I like I walked past this room. And I mean, my heart, I could have cried because I just saw, I was like, God, in me, you've put this like organizational gift and you've put this in me. And here I've just been watching my husband struggle because of my anger. And I could have, you know, bared up his burden with him. But because I was so focused on myself, because I had that beam in my eye, I couldn't see his. Um, but with joy, I went into that room. I think it took me like six hours. It took my whole night. I like had to skip work that day. It was like a thing. And I was just so joyous. Um, and it was just such a testimony to me because I really could have never, never done that. I, I was too I was too focused on myself. I couldn't see your need. And God was showing me all the time that you needed that gifting in me. And it was you really know? like my heart. Actually, you know, that room was really kind of representing my mind ah, the way that I am. Bury the shack. And yeah, exactly. And so for you to enter into that disarray, mm -hmm. you know, it is like God. Yeah. Exactly. And I wasn't angry. I wasn't like, why are all these cords all tangled up? You know, I was like, oh, bless him. He just don't know. It's just not his gift. You know, I don't know Spanish. Okay. Who's going to get mad at me if I can't talk with perfect accent? Hopefully nobody, but we do that all the time to our spouse. We expect them to have the same giftings that we do. And in reality, I think a lot of times opposites find each other because you're two people trying to become one. It's, it's a much better picture. Like where I'm weak, Brock is strong. And obviously the Lord is strong in all of our areas. So I don't want to, you know, you guys to think that we're leaving it out, but I was just going to say any, any, any dynamic that you see, like, this is just a shadow. Like, this isn't the substance of the truth, right? If you see me loving my Christ like love the church, it's only because I saw the true truth of how Christ loved his church, which was he let the Father love him. So I wanted to add that in there. You know, any dynamic you see, it's like, this is just a byproduct. This is a shadow, right? A sh Like, you have something, and then something casts a shadow. The light casts a shadow. This is the shadow. Uh, but what we're pointing to is the substance, right? I think you should talk about the porn thing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that was out of nowhere. That was great. 
Um, you know, so my journey with porn was like, I started watching porn when I was 12, okay? And we're not talking, you found a ripped uh, page from a Playboy in a dumpster. All right, this ain't your grandma's born, okay? Or your grandpa's, I should say. Uh, the, the, the type of exposure from that young of an age, I mean, there's research right now that's, that uh, this is, this, this, God actually used some of this to point things out to me, but um, at one point, I knew that, I, I knew that, well, I don't want to jump ahead to that point. Let me, let me just go back. I started watching porn when I was like 12, um, and, and, and I don't blame my parents. I'm sure I like to think about how could have my parents foreseen the, the way that the internet was going to unfold, right? I mean, and then you're 12 with an uh, I- iPod, and you can look anything up. I mean, so what's the 12-year, you know, uh, uh, overexposed to early? And there's literally studies that talk about how uh, people who consistently watch porn, they did brain scans on their brains. Their brains match the brain scans of people on meth, okay? People on heroin. When I found that out, I was like, I'm a recovering meth addict, man. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. I mean, for real. Like, that was, I mean, that almost, like, validated for me. Like, this thing is serious. And porn addiction is the number one struggle for any guy that is whatever, younger than blah, blah, blah. But, you know, most older guys, too. Obviously, they have the internet. But I meet so many people my age. And I'm shocked because I'll hear guys say, I don't even like watching porn. I'm just, I'm so addicted to it. I'm like, wow, that is humility. Someone that's not, at, at least I, I have God with me, and I'm examining my life with God. And so I like to bring everything that's in my heart right to the surface so that God can throw it in the fire and I can see if it's God or not, right? But to, to, to hear that struggle, so I want to say that, like, porn addiction, like, every younger dude, it is the number one hardest thing to not be engulfed in. I mean, it is the crazy, one of the craziest addictions I, I think you can have because it just surpasses, uh, it becomes a chemically dependent. And what happens is, is your brain has certain chemicals within it, right? And they're all supposed to be balanced. And so I like to think about how Jesus' immortal body right now is actually the perfect uh, balance in his head where his chemicals, right? And none of this stuff is evil, but I just use it. I, I uh, you know, in the word of faith, we kind of rejected psychology and all and, and anything scientific. But I only use it as as good as it is to help explain God. You know, it's not it's not truth. It's a shadow. But one of the things I see in that is the way it works is um, when you're continuously scrolling through porn, your dopamine, which is your reward, it's your reward system. You get a little shot. You get a little shot of it. And then the more you see, the more it shoots off. But it's like drugs, right? You're going to get super high the first time you do a drug versus the 50th time you've done it, right? Because your body builds tolerance, right? Uh, even ibuprofen. Like, you have to take more ibuprofen if you take a lot of it. And and the way that uh, porn works is you're. it's not just you click on a video, you're done. It's like you're on this thing, and there's ads, and there's flashing things. And the thing is that people do is they spend hours and hours just searching through it um, because it's addictive, because your dopamine's going off every single time you see a new thing. 
It's always going off. And then so when you're away from it, your brain is freaking out saying, I need this thing for life, right? And it becomes a lack of life. And so that was just a rabbit hole. But so my my uh, struggles with porn has been a lifelong thing, a life, lifelong thing. I, I, I realized it affect the way I view women. I mean, it's a very deep, uh, dark, nasty thing. But I mean, what's a greater testimony than to say that God showed me that thing was killing me and, and was able to set me free from it? But I'll tell you the truth, the, mo the, the real reason I got back into it, because I stopped for three years, and I thought that God helped me stop. Really what happened is I just felt so much shame and guilt being a Christian now and watching it that I just forced myself to stop. Well, guess what? That belief was still deep, deep down in there. And when we started having problems, this is how I explain it. You get married, you know, you're a good little Christian boy. Uh, I mean, we weren't. Well, never mind. Anyways, uh, you don't even know what I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> when, when you're a good little Christian boy, you finally get married, and then it's like, ah, uh, yeah, you know, this is, this is what we've all been waiting for. You're married, you know. Uh, and then if you think God's one of those get mad gods, you know, it's like, ha, I got you, God. Now we're saved, yeah. You know, you feel good as a guy. You're, you're feeling ready. And uh, then, then, you're, then you get used to that relationship. Well, what happens when your wife gets pregnant, right? And then what happens when your wife gets violently pregnant? And then what happens when she's not being the nicest to you? And then you're not being the nicest back. Well, guess what? I now have bitterness towards my wife in my heart. And uh, like I said, you know, you've, uh, I'm just going to be blatant, you know, you've been having sex so regularly for this long amount of time in your marriage, then just for it to cut. And then, I mean, it's not like she got hurt and we could, it was like, you know, there was animosity. So what started to sprout inside of my heart? Well, whatever, if I can't get it from my wife, you know, and the whole time I'm doing it, the whole time I'm doing it, because I had already been listening to Birdie and Greg the whole time. It's even worse because I'm just seeing the works of my own hands here. And I know this thing is wrong and I know this thing is killing me yet. Uh, you know, the power to do what's good, I find not. I want to do good, like Paul says in Romans 7. I want to do good, and I don't want to do bad, but I'm only doing the bad that I don't want to do, and I'm not doing any of the good that I actually desire to do. And that's all that I felt, you know. You mix all of that. I mean, that it was a problem with inside of me, right? But we are now becoming one flesh in this process, which is really the way you become one flesh is to become one heart. And now it's affecting her. She comes from an environment or from a past where boyfriends had cheated on her so much. So how do you think all this was going over? Do you think she's looking at me saying, oh, that poor little thing. Look at all the struggles he's going through. Now she's taking offense at my struggle. And then the, it's not about the struggle being healed. It's just about how could you do this to me? Yeah, and um, all of that really kind of came out a couple months after Asher was born. And I guess just to maybe give like my perspective a little bit on the whole on the whole situation. Um, when he says violently pregnant, I was just super sick. Um, I just I literally had to quit my job. I couldn't drive in a car. I was just like vomiting. And I would come in from outside. Uh, and she would just hate the smell. It would make me vomit. Outside the smell of outside on him. Like he would like be. We had a king. Oh no, we had a queen size bed. But he would be like laying in bed and just living his life breathing and it just smelled like rotten garlic and I was like so it's like you know he's sleeping on the couch yeah I slept on the couch for a little bit yeah. 
which is easy when you're not vibing with them anyways. It's like, whatever, I'm going to go sleep on the couch anyways, bro. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. And this was also kind of the time where, like, Brock wasn't really working much. So it was like, he's like, you know, you quit your job. You're not feeling good like I got us. And, like, two days later, he just decides to, like, up and quit his job without having another job. And I think, yeah, like, for real. And, I like, that really hurt me, you know. You felt like, okay, you were going to take care of me, and now you're not. And I really look at that as kind of, I think, the first place that that, you know, took root. But, yeah, so then this whole time I'm sick, we're kind of, like, losing intimacy, I guess, for lack of a better term. And like Brock said, I, I had been cheated on by, like, every major boyfriend that I had. So, like, when we were um, in the word of faith and we were, you know, getting to know each other, I was really transparent about that. And I was like, this is a really hard thing for me. Like, I, you know... Um, thank God that I'm growing in confidence, but man, do you just feel rejected like over and over and over again. And so it was like, um, you know, Brock obviously had that in the back of his mind too. So there's just another burden, like you said, but, um, you know, you can kind of feel like something's going on. And there were quite a few times where I was like, Hey, are you watching porn? Like, literally, I'm like, are you master? Like, what's happening here, you know? And I'd lie straight to her face. Yeah, over and over and over Over again. and over. And I, I feel like I'm somebody where it's like, I can take it. Just tell me the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, just don't dance around it. Cut to it. We'll get over it. But um, finally, I just kind of like... After Asher was born, I came to him and I was like, I know that you're watching porn. Like, I know that this is happening right now. She read my mail. I did. And I won't go into like super detail about all of it, but um, he basically just like really just gave me a little bit of truth at a time. Um, it turned into a huge fight because it took maybe an hour and a half to figure out what was actually going on because he'd be like, well, this thing happened this one time months ago and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, but did it really? And he's like, well, I guess it technically happened three times and blah, blah, blah. Well, when's the last time? Oh, it was blah, blah, blah. Was it really? Because I think it, well, it last week. I mean, it was I'm just I'm trying to like, preserve my own life Yes, here. like. Just give me a note. Your wife's you rap. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you mm -hmm. know, I grew up in an environment where, mm -hmm. and sh shout out to my mom, you know, I was a hard child, so I get it. But I was the type where, like, you don't tell mom. Why would you tell mom? Mm -hmm. You know? I one time, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and he says that because all the time I'd be like, you know, you need a full time job. You need to clean. You should cook. You'd be like, okay, mom. So that's, I think, where that comes from, you know? Which also stems from my wrong image of a mom, right? I'm basing my image of a mom based off of my experience. Mm -hmm. But the definition of what a mom actually is is found in God. Mm -hmm. And now I'm so thankful for mm -hmm. Kylie's organization. And now I am not annoyed at the things that are different between us. Mm -hmm. And it excites me to know the things that are different mm -hmm. and to enjoy them and to see we have different giftings, as you said earlier. Yeah, and I was just going to say, you know, I actually ended up going out of town that weekend because I was just like, that was actually the first point where I thought that we'd get divorced because it had been like a year of lies. I had been very familiar with lies, and Brock was in this message, you know, and I was still kind of coming out of some stuff. And so he kept trying to tell me that he was the victim, right? Because he, he was trying to explain to me that, like, it's not me doing this. Like, I'm, I'm held captive by death. And here I'm like, oh, you're the victim? You're getting yours in secret, and I'm, and you know, and, like, you're the one. Like, you're getting everything that you want kind of thing. But um, it wasn't until later that, like, when we really kind of, like, rebuilt some things and could really talk about this that— That she admitted I was right. Um, you definitely—no, you were. Like, you were held captive. It's very, you know— um, 
the thing I want not to do, I do. But um, it was interesting to hear that the reason that he had been keeping this secret was because he felt like he couldn't come to me. It was like, you know, any any little thing that was going on, anywhere that he was not perfect, it's like, let's blow this up, let's really make it an example. You know, I want justice for, you know, the way that you're maybe treating me wrong or something, and this happening over and over and over again, like, that's going to sever something. He didn't feel like he could talk to me. He lied to me because any little thing that ruffled any feather or broke any, you know, eggshell that he was trying to walk around, I blew up. Who's going to... Yeah, if you can handle the dishes, I definitely ain't coming to you with my porn addiction. <laughs> no, for real, for real, you know. And um, and so I just think it's interesting because there's always there's always just the two perspectives, you know, but um, I felt like you're going to say something. Um, yeah, we just kind of had those perspectives. And it's not like I'm saying, like, you're, you're going to get angry, right, as a spouse. So this isn't something like you better just be really accepting of everything and blah, blah, blah. But again, this was just us in that triangle, just trying to maybe even not care for each other, but just care for ourselves. And these things, like, they do, um, they do uh, reconcile, they get better. But, like, so we're not saying these things as, like, you have to change this, but it's, like, to see what's going on, because I think that we can be so blind, like, in our own hurt that we just don't even recognize the dynamic. Like, we don't even recognize that the person that we're supposed to be one with has become our enemy. And it's oftentimes also, I will just tell you, the way that you view your spouse is oftentimes how you view God and how you feel God views you. And that's why they can be such a mirror to you, you know? Did God say that to you one time? He said something like, uh, some, like you were having issues with me or something, mm -hmm. and he said something to the effect to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yep. Actually, um, Gwen, you had that whole thing of like, God, I don't trust you. Like I had that moment, too, because I just felt like I felt like you weren't honest with me. I felt like God wasn't honest with me. I was going through this pregnancy, and I was so sick. I had a horrible childbirth. I had postpartum depression. It was like all these things that, you know, church and, you know, I, I thought the Bible taught me weren't supposed to happen were happening and all these things that I thought weren't supposed to be happening in marriage were happening and I realized that yeah that I was really viewing Brock the way that I viewed God and it was a really good uh, metaphor mm -hmm. he got you he got me took the person you thought was the dumbest and made him your image of God mm -hmm. yeah it's me Um, you know, so I got to a point where I, I, I could, uh, grasp the concepts. We want to say it like that. I understood. Okay. I go to this cross. God's with me and I die and then I'm raised from the dead. Right. I understood that for months, but it took a long, long time to have that birth in my heart as an individual between me and God um, and, and my struggles and everything that was going on with me. And uh, I say that to say you're like viewing the product right now of like three and a half years of, uh, well, really only a year with this message probably, right? So this is only a year with this message. I mean, if God can fix us, then I think you guys are going to be okay. But... <laughs> Um, this is a, a, a process, and that is one thing that I always like to, like, throw in there for people because in some of the churches that 
uh, we've been exposed to with it, you almost are viewed as like you did something wrong or you didn't have enough faith and that's why something isn't happening quick enough when the reality is you got all these things twisted up in your heart of years and years and years and years and years and then you get married and then they have their heart twisted up from years and years of carnal thinking and then you guys just like combined all those knots together right so Imagine that. Imagine what God is de decluttering, de-stringing. This is not a microwavable thing. Uh, this is a like this is the result of us uh, fighting and arguing and bickering, and then and then I'm I'm going to work, and then from four to twelve, you know, I'm delivering food and I'm listening to sermons, and I'm talking to God, because. And there was for a long time, Kylie was kind of upset with, well, why don't you make a change, you know? And I would always tell her, I'm making the biggest change that anyone could make. Because I'm sitting, and I would like kind of give it to her a little bit like, because I knew she didn't quite, she wasn't quite at the spot where she could see what the end of me listening to all the, and the power isn't found in the sermons, right? It's The power is found in the faith mm -hmm. that was in those sermons that Greg was preaching. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, because like with the porn thing specifically, it's like, well, if it's an issue, get a flip phone. You know what I mean? Like um, block your Internet. Right. Like there's things that you can do to make it easier. If you're a recovering alcoholic, maybe just don't stop at the bar. Right. Like that'll make it a little bit difficult. So I was really upset about that. But thank God that Brock knew this and knew that we were not just dealing with this issue, you know, because I really feel like it, it would have sprung up later and again and again and again and who knows like I'm not saying maybe it won't who knows what's in your heart still um but it's pretty amazing I think what has transpired from that and how Brock went from not even being able to talk about this without I mean kind of like almost shaking um in my presence to now like I really feel like we can be free um and that's because now I can be a help me to him I mean what an outrageous thing if you could come to your wife and say I have a porn addiction like help me you know and I think um, Ephesians 5 you know when it says that the man is Christ and the woman is the church it's supposed to be this beautiful thing of gleaning something from each other but we pick up all these things on the way and it makes it hard to hear um, and I think that that's really what it's been is a stripping away um, did you have anything you want to say um, this last time so like a month and a half when we were um, about to you know kind of like it was really just like we were just kind of like over it. I think it was like, you know, we'd already done the thing where we'd split up the furniture in our mind before, you know, we'd already, you know, kind of, I think, uh, visualized, right? Like almost like what it would be. Yeah, to how can be we apart. make this work if we got divorced? Yeah, exactly. Because this was like the third time that we've had the big conversation. And I remember that I was like talking to God in the shower and I was like, I was just telling him, I'm like, God, I was like, I can't even be myself with him. Like when I was single and I was having a hard day, like I would come home, my house would be clean, like I could relax. Um, you know, I, I don't even really like to listen to music. Like I like a quiet home. Brock's always trying to throw on rap music and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I just want silence. And the Lord, and I was just like, I just feel like I can't be me. And I felt like God was like, who told you that that was you? You know, like, where did you pick up in your mind that you're an introvert and that being married to an extrovert is bad? Or, like, that you have to have a clean house and you can't relax anywhere else? You know, it was, like, my big argument and, like, the big qualm that I have was, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not myself in this marriage. And God was just showing me, like, 
that was never who you were. That was you trying to produce happiness and contentment and peace apart from me. Did you ever consider that maybe this is a good thing? That maybe it's almost like how Christ is a stumbling block, that this was, you know, that he was a mirror, that he took my Martha and made it a Mary. But I didn't see that. I just saw that nobody was getting fed. You know what I'm saying? So it's just interesting, the perspective shift. And during some of these things, you know, uh, because I knew that Kylie was weaker in the faith at that at at these moments where some of these big climactic fights were happening, um, and I want to say as well, you know, like I still wasn't uh, responding all the time with you know perfect peace and perfect love, um, but I think you know we always thought that like a a healing from a disease was the biggest miracle we could ever get or this car or you know someone bought us a house like we've always thought that's the greatest thing we could gain but honestly i'm just kind of sitting here at the end of the day and i'm like uh my marriage functions better than you know people that have been married for a long time and if that is not a freaking testimony to the power of the gospel that'll be birthed in your heart. I don't know what is because, I mean, like I was talking the other day, uh, I'm someone that like I've never wanted to conform. And so when uh, you're placed in an environment, you go very quickly, you know, you are 21 and you're single. Next thing you know, you're 24 and you have a wife and a kid and you got these responsibilities. And, uh, you know, you don't just work your job and come home. You come home and you want to be emotionally present. You want to be, uh, you want to be there for your spouse, be there for your child. And uh, it's like, I'm trying to remember where I was going. What I, what I, what I will say is um, when we were going through these things, that, that's where I was going. When we were going through these things, even though I knew what was happening, um, that was very hard to convey to Kylie. It was, you know, the whole, the whole thing I just said about if you never taste chocolate, you don't know what it tastes like. It was very hard for, like she even said it, you know, for me to come along and uh, say that uh, I'm a victim, I, I'm being abused by this thing, that was hard for her to deal with. And um, like she like she was also just saying, we also enter into marriage with these preconceived ideas of who we even are, right? Right? So whether Kylie gets to make tea at the end of the night or not, you know, God is still with her is the reality. Oh, me? Hmm. What else do I want to say here? Um, I will say, you know, and obviously this is something that God really had to to change in my heart. And we're tying up loose ends for your butts, just so you know, <laughs> if you guys are like, man, we've been sitting here for a second. Um, but um, I think that uh, and God had to bring my heart here. But was what was really awesome is as God's wisdom really started to become my wisdom. You know, Brock would come to me and he'd be like, hey, three months ago, you were really blah, blah, blah about this thing. And I was like, why didn't you just tell me three months ago? You know, and he was like, it was kind of like the porn thing. He was afraid that I would get upset and reject it. And this last time when we were like, okay, you know, and after, I will say, after like every kind of low that we've had with thinking we're going to get divorced, man, does the Lord just take it so much higher. Like The, de the deeper the cross, mm -hmm. the higher the resurrection, it kind of mm -hmm. seems like. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just told Brock, I don't know, even if like my heart was fully ready for it, but I was like, you know, just tell me, like, I'm not going to get mad at you. I might have to step away. I might be quiet for a second, but just be honest with me because why do we just let this carnal mind like rule in our relationships? You know, women like no offense here. Right. But for one week out of the month, we're just acting like the carnal mind can do whatever it wants and that our man just better get used to it. And this is just how it is, you know, and there's been plenty of times where Brock has uh, come to me and he's told me the truth. And I'm so I found glad. Her in her blood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that sorry. Was that was good. 
Um, but I'm so glad that he did. But I had to. I have to have ears to hear that. And you know, it might be offensive in the moment, but it's amazing what that truth will do. Because instead of spending a week meditating on the carnal mind like that, I can get maybe salty, maybe not. You know. But then it's just over. And I think that that is how the dynamic was always supposed to be. Because the reason that two become one, you're not becoming one because you're just wearing each other down. I mean, that's naturally going to happen for life. You're going to, you know, you're, it, people look more like each other as they get older. Like, it's just a thing. But two become one because you're one in the logic of God. That is how you come together. And if you're not allowing God to speak through your spouse, and if it's a hard word for you, talk to God about that. Like, he knows that. But I promise you, like, Brock is Christ to me. Brock shares the word. He wasn't always Christ to me. A lot of times he felt like the voice of the serpent. But that's just because my was, you know, I couldn't see So did God's the law eyes. to the children of Israel. What do you want to say in closing? In closing? We still got like another hour. What are you talking about? Um, Man. Yeah, say that to a room full of uh, go to a women's conference and preach that. See, oh yeah, I got oh. no cheers. I mean, I didn't expect <laughs> yeah. that. You won't yeah. make friends saying that. You At know, least they don't have the tomatoes here, you know. Right. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that promised land grapefruit, you know, the big fruit. That's what we're all looking for. Uh, I just got to a point in my life where I recognized that for my family to be. Um, for them to experience God the way that I desire them to, I saw that I, as the father and as her husband, I saw that I had to go to that cross. And I saw that there was life at the cross for me. And, I mean, it's a wrestling, right? Do we not see that in the Old Testament? We have Jacob. What's his name, right? That literally means deceiver. I mean, that's, you know, that's a picture of us. We're, we were the deceiver. We were deceived, maybe you could say. And he he comes face to face with God, and he's wrestling with God, right? And uh, it that's really what it can feel like sometimes when the two become one flesh. You know, you're like, you're wrestling. You're like, you know, it's this way. No, it's that way, you know, doing that WWE smackdown on them, you know, because you're going to have your way. Um, but in the end, what happened with Jacob and God, right? I would say they became one, actually. And God uh, God put away Jacob's old man, the deceiver, put that in the grave, brought him to the cross, which God was at the cross, right? And he, that's like the wrestling that happens with us and God in our hearts. And that's like the wrestling that happens between us and our spouse. Um, but it, with God, you know, you can prevail because at the end of that story, he was no longer Jacob. He was Israel, which means what? Wrestled with God. Is that right? Israel. I'm, I, this happened last time, too. I preached a sermon on this, and I said Israel. And I was like, what does that mean? Somebody commented it. <sighs> Anyways, point of the story, uh, he became Israel. He became a new man, Right? Uh, your name is Cephas? No. Now I call you Peter. God prevails. Woo! God prevails, right? That's it. And where did God prevail at? Am I right? The cross in the resurrection. And God's prevailed in this marriage. And the restoration that's happened between me and Kylie is a restoration that 
God wants to perform inside of our hearts, right? Because God's got his version of what he thinks life is like. And we can either, I mean, if you just want to, if you want to say, I, I, I don't agree with that, that's fine. But God is the definition of life. And then you have your definition of what you think, of what you think life is like, right? And then we come to God, and then it's kind of like being married. It's like you're in this thing, and you're like, oh, what is this thing really about? You know, and next thing you know, all these things are coming out of your heart. You didn't know were there, and, you know, and, and if you're willing, he'll go there, and he'll start to uproot these things. And it's like being married. It's like, oh, man, I'm so, uh, it's like your back's against the wall, and you're like, you're kind of uncomfortable, you know, uh, especially if God is trying to be that intimate with you. But I'm, I'm saying if you let God be that intimate with you, I mean, he'll just start doing all those things, you know. It's like I said, uh, my wrist was hurting for a long time, right? I told the story while I was here before. And that bothered me so much that my wrist was having pain because I play instruments. So you're not playing a lot of instruments, right? Well, I still was just because I didn't mind. But it was hurting, and I was thinking, what if my wrist is broke? What if my wrist is messed up? I called Greg on the phone, and he said, well, what if your wrist doesn't ever get healed? I was like, man, that's a hard word, you know, because I built up this stock and this thing that I've loved so much. And then for God just to come, come along, you know, and to shatter it by a question, that's my favorite part about God is he'll give you the answer by telling you a question. I don't even know how it makes sense, really. But um, so everything we've talked about here, you know, this will help you in any relationship in this way. It doesn't matter if you're spouse, because here's the thing. We're doing all the same thing to our friends. We're doing all the same thing to our parents. Some our of kids. us are kids. We do them to the kids. So all these, you know, I love that you kept bringing about how because of the offense that dwelled in your heart, you were blind to really see your value, to see my value, but most importantly, see God, right? And uh, it's, it's, it's in that, it's, it, it's, if, if you take anything away from the, us describing these relationships, do not walk away from this saying, I'm going to apply this in my relationship. No, if you try to, like, conjure this thing up and you want your relationship to look at like our relationship, it's going to fail. And then you're just going to be all pissed off at me because you think what I said didn't work. When actually, it's just man trying to plow the ground. Plow the ground, right? Uh, the number one thing that you can do to experience this is to hear. Is to hear the message. I mean, it's foolishness, right? We think we got to do this, this, and this. Um, you know, I heard, I heard Womack say one time, uh, you need to come to Jesus or y you receive your healing the same way that you receive salvation. You just believed it, right? But how did you believe? Did you not first hear, right? Did you not first hear, and then because of what was heard, faith, the God kind of faith, was birthed inside of you, and you were able to believe upon this God, right? Is that not how it works? You don't have, you, you don't allow your heart to be persuaded by your spouse when you're dwelling in a fence. What you got? Anything else? Um, just in case I don't get a chance to say it, like truly you all have cared for our hearts and it's been just awesome to get to know all of you guys. Absolutely. And, um, man, the food, you guys have all just fed us some good food. Um, the bread of life. I mean, that's really what y'all are serving up here and we just, we just really appreciate it. Um, 
especially, you know, you guys letting us in your home, letting us in your home, giving us a place to stay, you know, the prophet's room as we pass over. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, you get a prophet's reward for giving us a cup of water. But uh, that was just the last thing I wanted to emphasize was the hearing of this faith. And if you need to hear a message on that, Greg's got plenty of messages. I think you have one called the hearing of faith. Um, go and listen to that. Understand how this works because you're just going to be, it's just funny how like we could sit here and preach truth, but if you just hear it as something you're supposed to do, you're going to get busy trying to do it. But the reality is, is, you're just hearing about how God conquered death in the body of Jesus Christ. And then once you have eaten on that for a long time, you will start to see things of this nature pop up in your life, hopefully sooner than it did for us, right? But, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's all I got. Yeah, you put a good bow on it. Yeah. Like just hearing and hearing. Exactly. Mm. Well, cool. Thank you, guys. Um, should we pray? You want to pray or me? Start it, I'll end it. Boom. Thank you, Father, that uh, we are just able to see ourselves wrapped up into your heart. Thank you that you have brought restoration to the true marriage, the marriage that you always deemed as good, the marriage that you have always desired into your heart, Father, where you desired to upkeep man, where you desired to serve them with eternal life where you desire to be the light, where you desire to have your throne in the midst of them and to where you can say, I am their father and they are my children. Mm -hmm. I will be their God. They will be my people. And thank you, Father, that you have shown us the ultimate reconciliation between us and you, not because you needed reconciliation, Father, mm -hmm. but because we needed the, the beams in our eye to be taken out so that we could clearly see who you were and who we are. And we just thank you, Father, uh, for this message in particular. And we thank you that this seed, this word, would be planted inside the hearts of all people, and, all, and especially those that are married, especially those that have felt that their spouse is their enemy and that is holding them back from life. And, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of sensing, even if you're in a situation where someone is being horrible to you, you know, God can strengthen you on the inside. That's the definition of the cross, to be able to be strengthened. Because if I, you know, I'll say this, if I would have been deep inside this message when we were going through this stuff, I would have gladly let Kylie crucify me even more because that was birthed in me. And Father, we just thank you that you really are a shelter in the storm. Um, marriage especially, you know, you can leave work a lot of times, you know, um, your, your friends leave, go home. Um, but sometimes you're just dwelling with your spouse in chaos. Um, and I just thank you, Father, that even in the midst of that, just as you were sleeping in the boat, Father, you teach us to rest. You're the one who leads us into that pasture. You lead us beside the still water. And I just thank you for anybody who, you know, doesn't have a spouse or even does have a spouse, that truly you are our groom and that we can just rest in the truth that we're your bride and that that truth can be enough for us to sustain us uh, through the trials that we face. Um, we just thank you for open hearts. Um, and that this truth just goes with everyone um, and, and is birthed in something um, or birthed something beautiful in their relationship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank, thank you guys. guys for letting us into your beautiful church.
Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to squeeze right here in between you guys so that I'm in the camera. Um, man, we just uh, we want to give everybody an opportunity to um, give uh, an offering to, to Brock and Kylie. There's no obligation, but if you feel in your heart that you want to give something, you can do it online at gospelrevolutionchurch.com. Um, and just put in the comment, Brock or Kylie, or you can leave something in one of the baskets as you're heading out. Just put for Brock or for Kylie, and we'll make sure um, that they get it. And, uh, man, again, I just want to thank you guys for being so transparent and just bearing your soul for all of us to see. And, uh, man, letting us see how the faith can work in your lives. And uh, we're just going to pray for them real quick. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, um, for the seed that is in them. Thank you, Father, that you've healed their sight, that they see your faith clearly. I just thank you, Lord, that everywhere they go, that uh, your faith will be declared. I thank you everywhere you go, Lord, that the words they will release um, to everybody they see will start giving shape and form to people's hearts, that will start cultivating the ground of their hearts, that their hearts become softened and become a breeding ground for your life. I just thank you, Lord, that as they continue to walk together, as they continue to behold the faith together, that the union they already have with each other and with you continue to become more and more close, continue to become more and more intimate, continue to become more and more of a sign and a wonder of your life in them and your union together with them. I thank you, Father, that everywhere they go, even when they don't speak, that their life declares you, that everywhere they go, even should they not speak, that the glory of your life and your union together with them shine in the earth. I thank you, Father, that it just be like a, a, a feeding trap or a, a, a trough full of water, that people could come in and feed from the table, that they can come and drink from the water, Lord, that, the, that, that people could behold the weakness that came upon their lives, that people could even maybe as they're listening think that it sounds like weakness, but they can see your strength manifested there, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. You guys are awesome. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much.